Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Well, we're back. This is Eric alongside Rod, and we're going to talk about the new recruit that just dropped tonight on August 2nd, 2022, Garrick Normand. Uh, this is a name. It's so funny. When I first saw this name, Rod, I was like, Gehrig, why does that name sound familiar? Totally missing the Lou Gehrig reference, right? <laughs> and right. It, it's actually yeah. interesting because it kind of reminds me a little bit of my wife who has a cousin in Iowa and he's a big sports guy. Their firstborn son, they named Heisman. No pressure there, right? <laughs> and then the second the second kid yeah, was okay. was Hayden, which is a super common name, obviously, in, in Iowa. In then Iowa. we knew they were having a girl. Yeah. We thought, well, what are they going to name their girl? And it was Callaway, which actually I thought actually kind of a pretty name. And it's, you know, golf and stuff. My sister's, my, my niece, so my sister's first child, uh, who is a uh, going to be a senior at Michigan this year, her middle name is Shay because my brother-in-law is an obsessive Mets fan. <laughs> So she was named after a stadium. <laughs> so it can always be right. It can always well, there's be a New worse, York connection right? too, just a little bit like the Gehrig. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Gehrig because we we mentioned it briefly, and I feel uh, well. I'll say, be I'll be honest. I did not shed a tear stealing a player from Wisconsin because they kind of really irritate me at this point. So I'm more than happy to to steal a player that I think probably Wisconsin felt they had buttoned up a couple weeks ago. Yep, yep. It looks that way. Um, yeah, uh, he committed to Michigan State, and I, I, I just want to say I want to give him credit because so often these things that we see are are worse. Although I will say the trend has been better because with so many kids committing um, on uh, on television or on um, you know shows on the internet, like we saw with. Um, uh, Xavier Booker committing on, uh, I guess it was Paul B and Cardi's, uh, I don't know if it was his Instagram account. I can't recall, but you know, on something that was a little more structured, it's cut down on the ridiculous nature of these things. If, if a lot of our listeners, I'm sure remember some of these commitment things, these events would, would stretch out to a half hour, 40 minutes. There were, you know, multiple hats on a table and it was like somebody's playing a three card <laughs> money game, trying to which which one is the ball underneath, you know, uh, just all that kind of nonsense. This was really good as far as these things go. It was it was very um, down to earth and no frills, which it sounds like describes Garrick period in some ways. But it was on his Instagram account, it was Instagram live. He had, um, and I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, but um, a guy who is a grassroots uh, youth basketball figure in Texas was kind of the host that he brought in to 
um, ask some questions of Garrig and, and kind of move it along. But it was really well done. It, the whole thing, start to finish, was done in under 15 minutes. Um, the questions were good. They were very complimentary, of course, of Tom Izzo and Michigan State. And it just, there was a party in the background. It looked like Garrig had everybody he knows in his living room. Um, but uh, it, was, it was pretty great as far as those things go. They could be a lot worse, I can tell you that. So hats off to him for that. Obviously, we're talking about it because he picked Michigan State. And one of the things that came out in this discussion uh, during his commitment video was he was asked about the process with MSU, and it was a whirlwind. It, it was basically start to finish about three weeks. So uh, as the story goes, they had identified him um, based on some recommendations they'd had. I think they'd seen some tape. And then as we discussed and kind of surmised might have happened, during the last live period when they were when they were viewing Xavier Booker, they actually got to see him, they being Tom Ezzo and Mark Montgomery, got to see uh, Garrig play because he's on the same circuit. Both he and Xavier Booker play on what's called the New York to L.A. circuit, which is um, a structure that was brought into place after the three major shoe companies, and we're talking about Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour, had created their competing shoe team circuits. New York to LA is kind of an umbrella that covers a lot of other, what are euphemistically in, in the business called grassroots programs. So these are, te- these are programs, AAU teams, that don't have a shoe company affiliation. They're not sponsored by Nike or Adidas or Under Armour. So Again, it's a little more down-to-earth kind of thing, but that doesn't mean that you don't have high major D1 talent. Every year, that circuit will produce some players who fit that bill. And this year, it just so happens that Michigan State has gotten two of them. And it was nice that it dovetailed. They actually, I believe those that Izzo and Montgomery saw Garrick's team playing Xavier Booker's team because I saw a photo a couple days ago of Xavier covering Garrick, which is interesting considering yeah. the size differential. But um, so, th- so that was the deal. They saw him play. After that, they were sold, talked to him, uh, set up a visit, which he, of course, took last weekend. He was in East Lansing Thursday and Friday and then left Saturday afternoon. And that was it. According to him, he knew he wanted to go to Michigan State by the time he left campus. It was that simple. He didn't, he said they were giving him time to think about it and, and, you know, figure out what he wanted to do. And he said he didn't need it. Yeah. So he was, he was sold, uh, worth mentioning. He talked, he's talked in several, uh, instances. He talked about it during his video and you're seeing it come up in a couple of the print articles I've already seen on this. Uh, he talked about Matt McQuaid's influence, and that, that probably shouldn't be underestimated. Even though Matt is not a coach that's on the road, it sounds like he was very important once Garrett got to East Lansing because they're both Dallas-Fort Worth kids. Obviously, Matt played four years at Michigan State, went to a Final Four, won a couple Big Ten titles. So he's been through all of that stuff, went away and played professionally overseas for a couple of years, and now has come back to East Lansing to begin 
his coaching journey. And he, I believe, is on the – I think he's been elevated to a video a video coordinator now, I think is his current job. I'd have to, I'd have to confirm that, but I believe that's what's happened with him. So he's, he's really on his way. Uh, in his coaching career, but it, it certainly was made to sound like that was a big deal for Garrick Norman, that he could talk to somebody who's from the same area of the country. He is, who's been through it fairly recently, you know, Matt's still a pretty young guy and could really, he could really relate to There were some interesting comments from a couple of that. I, I wanted to get into from a couple of the, articles uh that i've already found up with this commitment so this was rivals national uh recruiting guy travis graff who did this apparently garrick norman said the question is why did i choose michigan state but it should really be why wouldn't i the coaching staff there is amazing they're the best coaching staff that i've ever met from the first guy to the last guy on the staff they're all kind they're all the best people i've met they understand my situation. They gave me time to choose what school I wanted to, but I didn't need time. I knew where I was going once I left that campus. The players were amazing. And this is the part that I really zeroed in on. There's a lot of guys like me and my personality there. So pretty clearly, and then he, he went into Matt McQuaid being a Texas guy, and that made him feel very comfortable. Um, so I, I think that says a lot about this kid first of all that that line about well why wouldn't i choose michigan state and it was that's not what you always get right and i think that's what makes this a unique recruitment this is a kid who wasn't really attracting any high made he didn't have any high major offers until this spring started until he started playing this spring in aau and then he started to get them, and the process just accelerated. And I'll go through in a, in a little bit the offers that he had and the other official visits he took. But it's a pretty impressive list right now, and it's all happened in the last three to four months. So what I think that means is, much like with Xavier Booker, and I think we talked about this in regard to him, you're getting a kid who has not been at the center of you know the basketball world's attention for three years, four years, this is all still very new to him. And that means you're, you're not getting someone who has any prima Donna aspects to him. Um, it's a good fit, I think for Michigan state's program and what Tom Izzo likes. And you see it reflected in the way that he talked during his commitment video. And in these articles that are coming out, this is, uh, he strikes me as a very confident kid and, what you read about him is that he plays aggressively. He's kind of almost borderline cocky, but you don't get that kind of talk in terms of the other stuff, the way he views Michigan state, the appreciation he has for being in this position, because it wasn't that long ago, apparently that, you know, this would have been a dream right. to be in this a position where he could go to a place like Michigan state, a school, a program of that caliber. And, and yet he got here. Um, so pretty, pretty impressive stuff. It's like dating, right? You want to have a two-sided relationship. You don't want to just uh, one way or the other, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a very good way of putting it. He certainly sounds like an OKG, right? Like our kind of guy, the ones that the Izzo, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, and I think it's absolutely. funny. It, I, 
I feel like he's landed and I think everyone's excited about it, but it's almost like a yawn, like, oh, another four star. <laughs> it's it's kind of starting to feel that way. It's strange. Right. And, and, and let's, yeah. And he's he's pretty, you're seeing him. I know oh, the only one I've looked at definitively was Rivals. Rivals has him at number 73 and their national guy made a comment that he thinks he's going to get a bump in their next ranking. So who knows? You can be talking about a guy in the top 60, the top 50 even before it's said and done. Um, and right. And it's kind of a, Oh, that's, that's great. You know, nobody's freaking out. I do think there's been a lot of enthusiasm over this, uh, recruitment though, in part because it happened so fast, like people get excited about that. And then they see the clips and they can tell, all right, this is a kid who really has some athletic ability yet. He's known as a shooter and MSU didn't have to go through a nine month, two year process, dragging it out to get the guy, you know, the, yeah. three weeks from start to finish it, it, it. I think I made this comment, uh, in our last episode, but it, it's really true. This is very much very reminiscent to me of the Jackson Kohler recruitment. Um, it just, when Michigan state got involved, it came together fast and that was that. Like the kid did not have to be, he didn't need the hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you know, and that's really, that's refreshing. I, as I'll, I'll speak just as a Michigan state fan, because so often over the years, Tom Izzo is involved in these recruitments for high, high level players where it is a struggle. You know, you're competing against a Duke, a Kentucky, a Kansas, and, and not to mention some of the other Big Ten schools. And it, these recruitments start when these guys are sophomores often, and they drag for, you know, two, two and a half years. And, you know, I think sometimes for some, not me, but for some Michigan State fans, I think they have a view of the program they support that's not really doesn't comport with reality in, in the sense that the program really is viewed as an elite, elite place. The further away from it, right. you get, yeah, yeah, right. I get it. You know, and you see it in these recruitments like this one or Jackson Kohler last year where these guys get offered and, and they're in a lot of demand. Kohler's recruitment was accelerating. This one, he was getting more and more, uh, Garrett was getting more and more interest as it, as it went along. And, and yet they got the Michigan state offer, took the Michigan state visit and boom, it was over. Like they were knocked out by what they saw. So people should think back to these recruitments. The next time they're feeling depressed about <laughs> MSU losing out on a top 20 kid to some other school, it, the program you support is elite because uh, programs that aren't elite can't do this kind of thing. Yeah. Just tell that to my wife who is <clears throat> a little shaken up because she did not realize and nor did I until we were talking about it last show, like you're talking about Jackson Kohler. Uh, she's a big, huge Hawkeye fan. That's her main team. <laughs> so she was really depressing. Yeah. We missed out on like the next Luca Garza. I said, yeah, probably I should have told you that, but you know, you need to stop listening to the show, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He pro from what I gather, I mean, Iowa was full bore for Jackson Kohler and from what I gathered, he, he might very well have opted to go there until Michigan State got involved and completely turned that recruitment on its head in very short order. Same thing here, just a different Big Ten school involved. 
it's it, Garrick did not say that he didn't. That was another thing I was real. I really enjoyed about this um, commitment event is that they didn't make him go through, Oh, who were your final five? And let's talk about each school. They didn't make him go through any of that nonsense. But my impression is that Wisconsin, I think you mentioned it at the outset here, Wisconsin was in very good shape. It appeared and, and had a really, really good shot to get them. And then MSU blows into town and sweeps them off his feet and it's over. Whirlwind romance. I love it. Yeah. Well, we're talking, we're talking about that. So I just want to take a second to go over that. So he took official visits. These were all in June and then the MSU visit obviously coming at the end of July. Um, he visited in order in chronological order, Oklahoma state, Wisconsin, Texas, and Missouri. So that's what, I guess if we count Texas as an sec school now, <laughs> that's um, two sec schools, a big 12 school and then another big 10 school. But it, it looked like Wisconsin was in great shape for him. And then MSU swoops in other schools that had offered him. This shows you how, how much his recruitment accelerated Illinois, Kansas state, uh, Tennessee and Creighton were also in there. schools that had offered him, but didn't get a visit. So this is a kid that had a lot of demand. Some of the things that MSU apparently really liked about him were things we talked about in our last episode. They really like his athletic ability. You could see that on the clips. This is a guy who has a lot of bounce. It, it's interesting. His AAU coach made a mention of the fact that he doesn't think the Matt McQuaid comparison is very much on point because he thinks Garrig is a much more fluid athlete, that Matt was a little stiffer. And I understand, if you think back to the way Matt McQuaid moved, I understand that. I think Matt McQuaid was a very, very good athlete and was undersold by a lot of people in that regard. Um, you don't have to go any further back than that Elite Eight game against Duke and the dunk he had and then the no-look bucket he scored to remind yourself just how good an athlete Matt McQuaid was. But that said, I get what his coach is talking about when you watch these clips of Garrick moving. Um, he does look a little more fluid than Matt did. Uh, but again, very athletic, a uh, good shooter, but they think he can maybe be more than that. They think he can uh, maybe be a more effective pull-up guy than Matt McQuaid was. Uh, they think he, because of his athletic ability, they think he can be good in transition. Um, and this was the part, the other part that leaped out at me. His, his AAU coach said, he is also a kid that wants to be coached. He wants to be held accountable. So we go back to that OKG yep. thing, right? And same things were being said by the people around Xavier Booker, the exact same things. They said, this is a kid who wants to be coached. He wants somebody to hold him accountable. He wants somebody to tell him when he's not meeting the standard that he should and make sure that he does the things he needs to do to reach those standards. You know, so again, you, this, you really, this kind of kid, when it comes in a package athletically and skill wise, like Garrick Norman has, that's what you, that's what you dream of. If you're a Tom Izzo, Absolutely. you want a guy like that very, very much lot to like. I think uh, in terms of where he fits on Michigan State's roster, and we spent some time talking about this the other day, but I think it bears repeating. 
he is the type of player that MSU currently does not really have on their roster because he's 6'5", but athletic. So he's going to be a wing all day long, but they don't have a lot of wings that size. Really, Pierre Brooks is the only guy who fits that mold as a bigger wing. And Pierre's just a different kind of player. I think Pierre's maybe a little undersold athletically. I think he's going to show that this year. He's a better athlete than some people realize, but that's not the best part of his game. I think Pierre is a very well-rounded, skilled guy who has some strength to him, and, and that's how he'll be effective. Garrick Norman is a little different kind of player, and he's again, he's not a guy that MSU has anybody really very much like at this point on the roster. Other than those two guys, you're talking about a perimeter group that's a little smaller than that. So I, I think there's a chance, depending upon what else MSU does, that, you know, Garrett could be in a position to play a role immediately as a freshman because he may provide something in terms of his size that MSU doesn't otherwise have. It'll certainly come down to whether Malik Hall sticks around another year, right? I think, you know, he's a senior and that if he doesn't, then the minutes are going to be there for him for sure, at least at least limited uh, initially. A chance, right, a chance to earn a role, and then if you're really good, who knows how big the role can yeah. be. Um, you know, the other thing I would say is, and we haven't spent a lot of time talking about it because we haven't gotten into Michigan State for this year even yet. We <laughs> will be soon when we start getting into our previews, which we, we keep teasing. Um, but the one thing I would say about Michigan State's guard group, if you take – Tyson Walker out of the equation, there isn't a lot of proven pure perimeter shooting. I think Jade Nakins was pretty good last year, and I think he could be better than that as he goes forward. And I think Pierre Brooks is going to eventually be a good shooter. But if you if you look at the other guys, AJ Hogard, Trey Holloman, and even next year with Jeremy Fears, I think those guys can all be effective jump shooters to one degree or another. But if you had to pinpoint one weakness or one area, let's say not a weakness, an area that needs improvement for all three of those guys, it would be jump shooting. For Michigan State, I think you're in a situation where you want to add some shooting where you can. And Gary Norman would seem to be able to, uh, to provide that because that's one of the things people really like about his game. They say he's not limited to just being a three-point guy, but he could do that for you. And the clips I saw, it looks to me like he's got a pretty quick release, which is always good to see. Doesn't need, doesn't seem to need a lot of time to load up and fire. Uh, so that will help. But I, I think that's another way besides his size that he could maybe carve out an early role. Yeah. There's no question because to get on the court as a freshman, you have to play defense. And if you can, and if you can shoot, it, yep. it, it brings up opportunities and certainly situational reasons to put you on the court. Uh, if you, especially if you can hit a three and you can play some defense, I mean, you've, what more do you really need to do as a freshman? Assume maybe you could pick up some boards, right? Three and yeah, three right. and D. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but I do think you look at him and it's easy to see Garrett Norman as a guy that can help you in a lot of ways, not just as a three point sniper and a defender. I think he's got the potential to do even more than that. Over, especially over time as he matures and, and moves through Tom Izzo's system. I feel like with this recruitment, 
you see this quite a bit with this sort of serendipitous recruitments, right? I mean, this seems it feels a little bit like that. Like we happen to be around when he played a guy, a guy, you know, we're actively recruiting. How often does that happen in Michigan State? I mean, I feel like it it's not totally that infrequent where you where you run across someone, you're like, hey, that guy we, we weren't even looking at. Carson well, Cooper comes to mind, right? I think he's another one. Wasn't he a wasn't he someone they sort of accidentally can't ran into at a tournament or Watch play too. Yeah, in EY, EYBL, I think they saw him again. They they were familiar with him. They knew who he was at least, but I don't think they'd seen him in a while. So you're you're right that the all timer that I think about is Travis Trice because Travis Trice was an AAU teammate of of Brandon Dawson's, and so they were recruiting. They had been recruiting BJ Dawson for a couple of years, and they happened to see Travis playing with him in AAU. And that led to there. So that was a hell of an example of what you're talking about. Is Travis Trice was a guy who contributed for four years. And, of course, as a senior, had one of the great NCAA tournament runs that I can think of, um, where he was just fantastic. But he was really good all year as a senior. Um, so that's an example of one. I guess, although it's, it's hard to really call it just that, because um, – he, he played so close to campus, but Bryn Forbes, you know, didn't start his career at Michigan state. He started at Cleveland state, but he's a guy that MSU had obviously seen a ton of because he was a high school teammate of Denzel Valentine's and he was in the Lansing area. So they got the opportunity to bring him back. And of course that, that worked out. Um, so yeah, it, it happens occasionally. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the, I think one of the more interesting things about this is not even so much while they happened to uh, get on to him in part because of the amount of time they were spending on that particular circuit watching Xavier, Xavier Booker. I think it's maybe even just interesting that they've grabbed two kids in this class who are not on the shoe circuit at all. That is a rarity for a program like Michigan State. The vast majority of kids Michigan State recruits, and, and this gets into shoe company politics and a lot of other nonsense <laughs> stuff, but the vast majority of them do end up being EYBL kids. They're Nike kids, and MSU, of course, is a Nike school. Um, and there is some reality to that, that sometimes if, you, if you're talking about a kid who's playing on the Adidas circuit, let's say, it's going to be very difficult to get him to go to a Nike school. It happens but not as that, that's an impediment that's there. Um, Under Armour is a little different because Under Armour has so few schools that they don't have quite that level of muscle. So for example, Max Christie was an Under Armour guy, Illinois Wolves, the team he played for is, um, is an Under Armour program, but to, to have two out of the three kids you've signed or gotten commitments from, from a non-shoe company AAU program and, and at Michigan State, and and nobody is saying that you're reaching for them. Right, yeah. yeah. Every, it's not like you're having to sell your fan base, like, well, look, these guys are underrated. We think they're going to be pretty good. This is one kid is in the mix for number one spot in the country, and the other one is solidly top 100 and also seems to be moving up. So that's a pretty remarkable aspect of this and it's also interesting too the contrast you've got these two guys both of whom i think it would be fair to describe as late bloomers in terms of the recruiting attention that they've been given and then the other guy in the class so far at least 
is Jeremy Fears, who's been on everybody's radar for years, is the epitome of a kid in the basketball, the high school basketball universe at the highest levels. EYBL kid in AAU, played for La Lu in prep school, and now he's going into the overtime league, which I don't know that we've even talked about. Um, he's going to play in overtime elite this year, which enables him to receive NIL income without jeopardizing his um, his uh, college eligibility. So this is th- that league that was created to compete with the G League last year. And they've now got this program, and there are several guys, Fears is one of them, who have signed up for it, where they can play and they're going to be able to receive income through NIL but it doesn't jeopardize their college eligibility. So he did all, he's done all that stuff. He's been part of USA basketball for years. And, you know, we talked about, he just had a fantastic under 17 world cup leading the U S to the gold in that. So you've got this one guy who is the poster boy for high level quote unquote amateur basketball. And then these other two guys who, you know, six months ago were completely in another universe. And that's your class. So interesting stuff. As you look at the class right now, obviously the most recently recent great class for Rizzo was the one with Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, Josh Langford, Cassius Winston. Well, Jaron Jackson was the next year. It was actually Nick Ward. Oh, was right. Nick Ward. Class. Yeah, was, but I would right. say, I would say the next year was the last great one, even though it was only two guys, Jaron Jackson, and Xavier Tillman. You have two guys that are both NBA players. That's pretty good. But the last big class was 16, the one you were talking about. Yeah. And and in some ways, you could say Xavier Tillman became much more than I think people thought is faster than people thought afterwards. Yes. Um, yes. Right. It, as far as like the recruiting splash, it probably not seem as big as it was. Um, no, he but, was a top 100 guy. Yeah. But looking at this class right now, I mean, it's pretty good. And we've got another one who's I think we're just kind of waiting for this cone car to see if he yep. if they land him as well. Right now, you'd say this class has got to be one of Tom's, I don't know, top five or six classes, I think, right? Well, or am I, uh, yeah. is that just a recency bias? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I, I think as far, although some of that is going to depend on, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got basically four ranking systems. So you've got that people pay attention to now. You've got rivals, you've got 24 7, you've got on three and ESPN. Now, on three just released a new ranking. Uh, a few days ago and Xavier Booker dropped to number 12 and Jeremy fears dropped somehow dropped. I don't know how So I think number 62. <laughs> so if you pay attention to this stuff, that's yet to be fully sorted out. But generally speaking, I think it's accepted that at the moment, this is a top 10 class nationally. And if they add car, it just becomes that much better because he's another top 100 guy. I, I would say just the eye test. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a re- this looks like a really good class where it fits historically. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. And, and that's a, that's a tough deal because your mind gets clouded to some extent by what these guys actually ended up becoming. You know, not how they were viewed, not how they were viewed when you landed them, you know. Um, I mean, honestly, in my mind, um, the most important class MSU ever had under Izzo 
was his first with Antonio Smith and Jason Klein and Morris Peterson. Naturally, yeah. A pretty, pretty good class. But at the time, it was viewed as a good class. It wasn't like, oh, this is going to be the foundation of one of the great programs in college basketball history. But it was, you know. Um, so anyway, that, that's the, the difficulty. But I think to what you were saying, yeah, this, this is – this looks to me like probably the most impactful group, likely to be impactful group that he's had since the 16 class. If you're talking about a bigger group, because again, the next year, only two guys with Jaron and, and Xavier Tillman. But it's, yeah, it, it, the other thing would be addressing needs. Because it's not just about stockpiling players. It's what are the guys you're adding? What can they do and how do they fit in your roster? And we've just been talking about these last two guys, Xavier Booker. They desperately needed a guy who could play the four. Most likely you're going to lose. I would say right now, my betting would be that they lose both Hauser and Hall. So you've got exactly no one who seems a <laughs> natural fit at the four, unless you land Xavier Booker. Well, they've done that now. So that addressed that need. Besides the fact that he's a potentially elite player and all that, positionally, and and in terms of his size and his game, it addressed a need. Garrett Norman, same thing. They didn't have a bigger wing who's athletic, who could maybe give them an effective three-point shooter. He, he checked some boxes that they didn't necessarily have checked. I would say that Carr, if they are fortunate enough to get him, or Devin Royal, which I, does not look like is going to happen. He, By the way, he announces tomorrow. The betting seems to be Ohio State in that one. Uh, but either of those guys would fill another need. Carr in particular is interesting because not only does he give you another guy who can play the four, but he gives you the kind of elite, elite, violent athlete that they haven't had in a while. They really haven't had since Miles. You know, they've had good athletes, obviously. MSU always has good athletes. But, you know, it's the difference between somebody like Gabe Brown and Miles Bridges. Well, Carr fits the Miles Bridges. He's actually a better comparison to somebody like Brandon Dawson, as we talked about. But um, he's that kind of guy. And it looks to me like he can be the kind of guy, like a B.J. Dawson, who gives you a rebounding presence, can guard different kinds of people, you know, can do a lot of things that, Again, maybe they don't have a guy who really checks all those boxes. So that, and then on top of all of that, you've added just a tremendous competitor and leader and winner in fears at the most important position on the court. And by the way, he can also score on top of all that stuff. He might not be, he might not be Cassius Winston yet as a shooter, but otherwise, man, that and a defender. I mean, so they, you look at the way that they've addressed these needs and you really couldn't ask for a lot more. It's pretty exciting. It, the, the thing that you can get caught up in and, and forget, I think sometimes is these are, it's the brand new shiny thing, right? And so you can, you can envision all sorts of things, but it, the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof is what happens on the court, how they play, Absolutely. They stay healthy, all those sorts of things. And they, to stick, your point, they stick around. Right, they say they stick around you know, for four years or however many. Long, well, yeah, or, exactly. or more than more than six months, you know. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. So I, it's obviously very exciting. This is the, this recruitment season and commitments. And I, you know, obviously there's been a very good class and well, we'll see, we'll see where it goes and we'll see if it, there's any more additions in the next few weeks. Hopefully we'll find out. Yeah. That, you know, we, when we recorded our last episode, I, I don't believe cars visit had ended yet. Uh, by all accounts, it went very well. Where his recruitment goes will be interesting. That was another one where it seemed like another school felt really good. In, in his case, it was Tennessee. And then he takes this visit seemingly out of nowhere to Michigan State. Um, we'll see. I, there seems to be some level of confidence with that one. Um, I'm not in a spot yet where I would be saying, yeah, count on it. He's going to commit. It seems like they feel good about that one as well from what I gathered. So the timeline on that, though, who knows? Um, obviously, that's what was great about this is it it happened and wrapped up so fast that now everybody can breathe a sigh of relief and say, all right, not that a kid like Carr or Devin Royal uh, – would be gravy because that undersells what they are as players. But you've now got three guys committed. You have the core of your class. And and I would say this, if you aren't fortunate enough to get Carr or to get Royal, now you've got a very specific kind of need that maybe you could address in the portal next year. You know, okay, we want, somebody who's maybe a little more rebounding and defense oriented who could share time at the four. Um, no guarantees that Izzo would do that, but it, at least it's, it's one kind of guy. It's one kind of spot that you would have to fill and, and they'll have, you know, months and months and months to see what comes available if they, if they need to do that. And if not, that means they landed a high school player. They like a great deal. And it seems like it, on social media, at least Jeremy fears has been sort of uh, a cheerleader for, for Michigan yeah. state and trying to get these guys to, and you see, I think you see this all the time, trying to, to encourage other people to come. What, what do you think that does for someone like Carr? Do you, I mean, do you think we don't know him that well, obviously, or because he's just jumped onto the radar, but do you think this would, this would encourage him or do you think he'd look and say, ah, oh, there's a little bit of, you know, it's going to get kind of gummed up at that, that spot. I still feel there could be plenty of minutes for him to get in, even as a freshman. For sure. It depends, you know, it depends on the kid. I, when you mentioned that about fears, which is absolutely true. I mean, he's out there on social media and you can assume he's doing even more behind the scenes that the public doesn't see in terms. Of, well, in fact, Garrett Norman talked about how he and um, fears and Booker were in a chat group <laughs> or a text group, you know, so he's doing a lot of stuff we don't even see. But what it, when you were saying that, what it reminded me of, going back into the Stone Age, um, Mateen Cleves was, from what I recall reading and hearing, was relentless with that stuff. Once he committed to Michigan State, he was, I, I remember reading an article um, where someone was talking Mike Robinson. Mike Robinson was a kid from Illinois, I believe. He was a small forward who ended up going to Purdue. was a very good player at Purdue. But he was being recruited by Michigan State. He hadn't committed yet. And they were at the McDonald's All-American game. And Cleves was just working him. Cleves was working him. He was working uh, Jamal McGlore, who was a center who ended up at Kentucky. 
uh, Mateen was apparently just relentless, which if you remember what Mateen's personality was like, it's not hard to envision that at all. But Jeremy Fierce kind of seems like the same kind of guy. And it's just another area where you start thinking about Cleves as a comparison point for him. Now, that's a hell of a standard at this school to, to be raising. But I think it depends on the kid. You know, Mike Robinson, I remember the article kind of seemed to be worn out by it. Like, you know, eh, all right, all right, all right. He keeps talking about Michigan State, and blah, 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 whatever. Um, so the kid, the other kid has to be receptive to that stuff for it to mean anything. But I'd rather have a guy out there, you know, banging the pots and pans and uh, and, and talking about the virtues of, of joining him at Michigan State. And, and it also, I would think, means a lot, especially when it's coming from a guy who's slated to be the point guard you're playing with. Absolutely. Yes, yes. You know, for sure. so that's something to keep in mind as well. That makes sense too. Like if some guy is, is on you about joining and he's driving you crazy, then, you know, probably shouldn't go there. If he's going to be your point guard, <laughs> you're right. have that much trouble with that. Maybe you want to have that. You want to have a personality mesh when you can, obviously there's more to it than just getting along, you know, off the court, but that certainly helps. I think a lot in developing those relationships during the, during the season. For sure. And, and, and I, like I say, if I have my choice, I'd rather have somebody doing exactly what Jeremy Sears is doing. Give me that all day long. Let's totally change gears here. And the, there was another announcement from Michigan State Basketball since we recorded. I, I feel it wasn't that long ago, Rod, <laughs> yet. Yeah. Uh, yet yet uh, Mike Garland, who retired this uh, last year, had been a longtime assistant. And then he was, um, I guess, recruit, recruitment coordinator. I don't know if that's what his exact title, but he was. Yeah, recruit, uh, recruiting rec- recruiting coordinator. Yeah. For last year. So he didn't have to travel with the team and he was able to stay home. He retired and there's announcement or there's rumors for a long time that they had someone it's someone from a power five school and just hadn't been announced until just a day or two ago now. So it's John Borovich and uh, he's coming from Northwestern, which is a power five school, obviously. Yep. Yeah. And, and this is one that it's funny because not a lot of people publicly seem to be onto this, but boy, when you look at it, we all should have been better detectives because <laughs> this made all kinds of sense. So uh, going back, John Borovich is a suburban Detroit kid. He grew up in Bloomfield Hills and played high school basketball. I believe in Birmingham, he was a high school teammate of one Matt Ishbias. He was a better player than Matt. Remember Matt was a walk-on at MSU. Borovich was a scholarship player at central Michigan. From 1997 to 2001 um, and actually played under Mark Montgomery, who was an assistant coach for CMU at the time. It was early in Monty's coaching career. Um, he was part of a Mid-American Conference championship team his senior year, so had some, uh, had some playing success. He was a team captain his junior and senior years at, at Central. Um, you know, all of, all of those, those good things. So, um, his coaching career, uh, I believe started at Michigan state as a grad assistant, right? He was a grad assistant from 2001 to 2003. So again, we all should have been better detectives. Um, after that, he went to Dayton, spent two years. And I believe the timing, as I'm looking at this 2003 to 2005, that must've been with Brian Gregory. Um, 
also another Michigan State connection. So he was director of basketball ops there. Then he went to Oakland and was an assistant uh, for two seasons at Oakland and then had a long stretch as an assistant at Northern Illinois working under Mark Montgomery again until the last three seasons, I believe, he's been at Northwestern uh, working under Chris Collins. Now, the interesting thing about this is he was a full-fledged assistant coach at Northwestern, which means he was able to, and, and just some of our listeners may not realize this, not everybody on staff can actually go out during live recruiting periods and go visit kids and watch games. It's limited as to who can do that. And it's limited to the head coach and the three assistant coaches. So if you are a recruiting coordinator or you are the video guy, or you're a director of basketball ops, you're not eligible to go out on the road. So the assistant coaching job is, you know, the higher one on the, on the hierarchy. And that's what Borovich was at Northwestern. And he's been that for quite a while in his career. He's leaving that to take a job that at least in theory is a, a little bit of a step back being recruiting coordinator. And I'm not suggesting he views it that way. Um, but it, that was interesting to me that they were, they were able to get a guy who's been an assistant, a full-fledged assistant for a long time to, at another Big Ten school to fill this this job that's pretty compelling i also think and this is just a guess in my mind but i'm assuming that it might be that there's an understanding that if somebody else were to move along from the staff that borovich might be kind of the next in line to get elevated just as msu has done uh, for two of their most recent openings. If you remember, Doug Wojcik was in that role, and then he jumped up to uh, replace... Was he replacing Dan, Dana Fife? Dane Fife, yeah. Dane Fife. He replaced Dane Fife, and then Mark Montgomery was brought in to fill that role after he lost his job at Northern Illinois, and he got bumped up to replace Mike Garland before last season. So two of the last three hires, Thomas Kelly obviously was brought in from Western Michigan, but two of the last three hires had that trajectory. So, and Borovich is obviously still a fairly young guy. So, um, you know, he's in his early forties. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of, that there may be an understanding there, you know? Um, but obviously he makes all kinds of sense. He's been in the MSU program, although it's a long time ago, but he spent a good deal of his coaching career with Mark Montgomery, played under Mark Montgomery, was a high school teammate of MSU basketball's uh, wealthiest benefactor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of boxes, again, that are getting checked here. So it makes a lot of sense. And he's got very recent Big Ten recruiting experience, you know, having been on that Northwestern staff. So it, it it looks good across the board to me to bring a guy like that with his experience into this role. Sure. He's got, he's got the, the regional regional experience with from yep. Northwestern, Northern Illinois and <clears throat> Dayton and Oakland to recruiting the same, you know, circuits that everyone else does. And you, and you have to imagine the fact that he's recruiting coordinator and he has a relationship with Matt Ishbia, who, as you said, is the biggest benefactor and the fact that he's going to be, trying to figure out the NIL, how it's going to work with recruiting. 
it makes sense that he has a personal relationship with a guy who maybe I don't know. I think he's probably the biggest, probably contributor to NIL within the basketball program. I'm not sure if it's uh, Gilbert, but it, it certainly seems like there's a synergy there, right? That that makes even more sense for this this hire and to a guy who it probably I'm guessing a little bit too probably want to come home and get closer to family probably back in the Detroit area as well. Could be, could be, and I also obviously I mean no disrespect to Northwestern, but look, there's there's only so many times in a career that a job at a program the caliber of Michigan State becomes available to you, right? So clearly this is, even though he's not in a traveling assistant role, this is a step up. And we know that at, at Michigan State, even if you're in this recruiting coordinator role, you're still going to be expected to coach. I mean, we saw that when Doug Wojcik was in that role and you watched him operating on the bench, he looked like any of the other assistants and that's because he was, you know, yeah. it's, it's just really a restriction on recruiting. So I think it's clearly a step up for him. Uh, the Ishmael connection, that's an interesting thing. I think um, there, there might be something to that. Um, but I, I look, I think MSU is going to be able to coordinate the ways they needed to, or that it's possible to coordinate uh, with Matt Ishmael, no matter who's around. You know, I mean, Tom Izzo coached him, so you yeah, know, right. that's. But but it's it's still a fair point that it's it can't be a negative to have somebody who has known him for a long, long time. Um, and I think the other interesting thing here, though, and it was talked about when rumors first started as to the who it would be, because there was word out. I think you might have even mentioned it a few minutes ago that it was likely going to be somebody who had power five assistant coaching experience. And the other bit that was in the rumor mill about that was somebody who's at a school where it's not easy, where recruiting is not the way it is at Michigan state or Kansas or Duke. Well, this obviously fits that bill. He has been in his two assistant coaching jobs, two most recent ones, Northern Illinois and Northwestern, he's been facing uphill battles his whole career because that's just how it is. I mean, at Northern Illinois, it has to do with the fact that, you know, facilities are not necessarily the greatest, just Northern Illinois is not seen as an easy place to recruit to, even at the Mac level, from what I understand. And that help. Yeah. Right. That, that doesn't (laughs) help. Um, And, and then, you know, Northwestern obviously has, or had until fairly recently facility issues. But the other thing is, you know, academically they have, they do have some roadblocks that are unique to them in the big 10 and no Michigan does not have the same thing. Just to get that straight. <laughs> but uh, Northwestern does. I mean, that's not total bullshit. Like it is from some other schools when they, when they talk about, well, we, we can only recruit certain kids because we have to be able to get them past admissions. That doesn't mean that guys who play basketball for Northwestern would necessarily be admitted to the school if they were just regular students, but the standard is still higher for athletes than it is at other places. That's just a fact. And so if you're recruiting there, that's a challenge. I mean, really the only places in the country that have it would be North among power fives would be Northwestern Stanford from my understanding. Um, so that's interesting that they bring in somebody who's dealt with those kind of challenges. Um, 
And, and I think that could be a benefit to Michigan state in the sense that this is somebody who's used to really having to scrap. And now he's in a place where you don't, as we've just seen, where you can get into a recruitment three weeks later, you've signed a kid, Yeah, you know? Um, but he may have some more inventive ideas about what you do that would be beneficial to the program, you know? So I think it's, I think it's, it seems like a good hire all the way around, you know, somebody who's very much part of the Michigan state culture and should be a seamless fit in, in a lot of ways. Well, all very interesting stuff, very exciting and a lot of stuff going on. It, it's funny if you, you think this is the downtime of basketball and nothing's happening. And yet there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts right now in this program, maybe maybe more than usual, just because of the coaching changes a little bit with Dwayne Stevens' departure and stuff. But it sure seems like a lot of stuff's been going on with recruiting and coaching. It's always a crapshoot how recruiting's going to go. I mean, there have been a lot of years where you don't have movement until we get into the fall. You know, there are guys you're recruiting for the next class that are, you know, taking visits during football games, you know. Um, it wasn't that long. What was it? The class of uh, 19 um, where, you know, MSU had recruitments with Vernon Carey and Isaiah Stewart and Trace Jackson Davis that were all going on well into the basketball season, you know, um, not even just the fall. So you just never can tell it's, but it's great. It, it feels really, really as an MSU fan, I think you have to be relaxed now because you know all right we've got three very very good players committed so now you're just trying to fill that last piece but no matter what happens you've got three very good players at at positions or or roles of need and you could you have to feel great about that no matter what happens from here but i i have a feeling they're not done i just if i had to guess and it's just that right now. I don't have like when the Norman visit, like immediately after it was over, we started hearing things that this was going to go MSU's way. Yeah. Carr is not quite in that category, but if I had to guess, I'm going to guess it's Michigan State. I just don't know when. Right. Well, we'll be we'll be here when that happens. And uh, again, there's more stuff going on with our show, and so I'd like to recommend you go if you. If you're listening right now, you can go to YouTube, actually sign up, subscribe to the channel there. there. You can also go, we have an Instagram channel. And if you're not yet subscribed to Twitter, please hit us up at TFFINOTS68. Uh, then also, you can give us an email and send us any suggestions you have for shows or ideas at and feedback at TFFINOTS at gmail.com. And then finally, uh, We'd love for you to rate the show, leave a five-star rate of review. And if you leave a written review, that's even preferred. That way other Michigan State fans find our show. So they're all ready for the season when it starts because we are getting a football season here in just a couple of weeks. And then, as you know, as soon as football starts, about a month and a half later, we hit the hard court. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go Green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.